Welcome to the Inside Inside Sales Podcast with your host, Daryl Prale. Join us every week as we interview industry leaders and experts to uncover the ways they're finding sales success today. Tune in as Daryl brings you actionable strategies and tactics that can immediately increase your sales and success. How is everybody doing today? I am... I'm in a good mood. Uh, why? You're probably saying why. Well, as you know, you know, the accent always gives it away. I'm Canadian. That's when I, you, and, how, and many of you uh, take great joy and pleasure in mocking my outs and my abouts. But uh, I do, uh, I do like to remind, especially all the folks from the Boston area, but at least in Canada, we know how to say the, the letter R and, you know, and we don't drop it. Um, in fact, it's funny because whenever I watch like Home and Garden TV, true story, uh, we watch the American shows. We have Canadian shows and American shows, obviously, in our HGTV, but we watch the American shows. And they always talk about when they're going to walk into the foyer, the foyer. And that sounds like right to every single American listener now. Yeah, the foyer. And see, in Canada, we all laugh and laugh at you because it's not the foyer, it's the foyer. It's a French word. Foyer, it's a foyer, um, but it's a but you guys love the foyer. So hey, process, process, schedule, schedule, outs and abouts is what makes the world go round. Ain't it the truth? Uh, no matter how you sound, I'm thrilled you're here. Welcome back. You know, I was uh, I had the uh, the opportunity to talk to some really smart people in the last couple of days, and I was sharing with them a story that I started to think. You know what? I bet you you guys would love to hear this story. And it was a personal story. It was really, we we're talking about, you know, hey, Daryl, you've been CRO for, geez, you know, how long is it going on? Uh, nine months, pretty much this month, going on nine months. Uh, how's it going? What have been your biggest challenges? Uh, are you tracking? <sighs> what do you think of the role? <laughs> would you take the job again if it was offered to you uh, all over again? And I shared that, you know, I, I, uh, over the last three months, especially, I really started to feel like a CRO. Like I feel like, and this is going to sound bad because you would say, well, what does a CRO feel like, Daryl? And I said, well, a CRO to me feels like I am like immersed. I'm all in on sales because before I see him, I was all in on marketing. Right. And you would say rightfully, well, Daryl, isn't that just a VP of sales. And if you're all in on sales, aren't you supposed to be the sales and marketing guy? You own it all. You're the guy making sure everybody's aligned. And the answer is yes. But of course I already understood marketing and was aligned with them. My biggest thing was making sure that a large portion of my time, my mindset, my thinking, my big picture, the moves I'm making are sales centric. And I really feel like I'm there. The thing I was sharing was uh, the biggest challenge we've had was a decision I made early on when I took over was to try to grow the average deal size and really grow our market share in our target industries. Uh, and to do that, I made a choice to go all in on account-based marketing. We were historically an inbound company. So when I say inbound, basically the majority of the leads were coming to us through marketing efforts, pay-per-click, events, trade shows, content, whatever, organic traffic, et cetera. So if you're an historically inbound shop, then you understand what I'm saying. If you're a historically outbound shop, then you can just tune out now and ignore the rest of this episode unless you just want to sit back and mock me or go on social and add comments to whatever I forget to say, which I encourage both. Um, 
so basically we adopted the double funnel, right? You have demand gen inbound, and then we have outbound ABM. And what I did not anticipate, I was all in. I'm a convert. I believe in it. I've said this before. ABM has been around for decades and decades and decades. In the 90s, basically, is what IBM would refer to as target account selling. But the technology today allows you to do so much more amazing stuff and influence and targeting. And it's crazy. So clearly, it's coming to its own, which is why I pursued it. But the challenge I didn't expect, and this is the challenge that every single one listening to this who's making this transition, I suspect will relate to you. Or you're going to naively say, Prail, you're stupid. And I will retort saying, then you haven't got it yet. Which is the transition from being an inbound rep to an outbound rep is huge. And nobody truly understands the consequences and the effort and the cultural shift and the sales methodology and the approach you take when you make that transition. I mean, think about it. On inbound, they're just coming to you and you're like, yeah, you found me, which means you've already got high intent because you found me. You've, you've declared you've got a problem and you've said, maybe you guys can help solve it. So now it's just a matter of, do you have your credit card handy? Is that one seat or 10 or 25? Oh, who, who signs off on the PO? Great, let's get them involved. Boom, done, thank you, have a great day. Hand you off to customer success. But on ABM, about, like outbound, it's a different world. Now it's like, okay, these are the accounts we want you to go after. And they may or may not have shown any interest. And we're gonna market to them to you know, kind of you know, soften the beach a little bit so then you can storm and take it, but you're on your own. Yeah, we'll give you tools. We have, you know, conversational intelligence and we have sales enablement. And I mean, you got LinkedIn premium navigator, whatever the hell you want to call it these days. And you're a rock star, but you're on your own. Go figure out who to talk to, who the buying committee is, why they care. And by the way, you've got to become an expert in that industry and you've got to reorganize your entire day because now it's all on you to immerse yourself in their life. You can't just know your feature now. You got to understand every single one of the people you're talking to. And let me tell you, a large portion of my staff stumbled hard on this. Some didn't make it. And that's a problem. So I thought... Let's get the really smart people here who know what the hell they're talking about and tell me what I did wrong and what you, my friends, should be doing if you're in the middle of this transition or you're starting a job with a company who's all outbound or you're outbound, but you're having perhaps less success than you desire. With that, let me introduce you to my good friend, Mark Ebert. Mark is from Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense is, as they call themselves, an account engagement platform, which I found interesting as a marketer. They're not an account-based marketing platform. They're an account engagement platform. So it's kind of interesting that an account engagement platform is talking to a sales engagement platform. Mark and I, we're just going to engage. Mark, welcome to the show, my friend. Daryl, thanks for having me. And I like I the way am- you said that. Engaging. <laughs> It is engaging. It is totally engaging. All right. So I shared with you my story. You're eavesdropping, I'm sure. I got to ask you, point blank, the transition from inbound to outbound, you know, is it just me? Am I slow? Like, why is this so hard? You got it. It's hard. Um, And the, we talk about this a lot. I mean, the, the one thing that that comes to mind first on why it's so hard is because the the B2B buyer is certainly um, in the driver's seat. And when you know, when you're an inbound shop, uh, the seller's in the buyer's seat. 
because you know they're coming into you and you can dictate what happens you can dictate what you talk about you know whether or not you want to engage that person or somebody else um, and when you're transitioning to an outbound motion you're realizing that you've lost all control of the process and you're trying to grab grab onto it um, the buyers are well educated and they don't want to be educated by sellers they're uh, they want to stay anonymous they don't want to submit the form you know they don't they don't want to engage in sales and they want to push you to the end of the process and um, it's why it's it's so it's so hard and it's a it's a very real challenge I think most outbound teams face so so does that mean I change how I approach selling if I'm used to an inbound model or is this a combination that the buyer, because, you know, whether you're inbound or outbound, I could posit that the buyers, if I know my ideal customer profile, I could posit they probably have shared similar pains because they fit the mold. They fit the profile that we've done our research on. Therefore, is it me? I need to change how I approach it. Or is it truly, you mentioned the buyers in control, which I love that. Is the buyer different? So is it just a control thing or are they physically different and how they think and approach it because to your point on inbound they are seeking possibly your help they've already crossed that mental hurdle where an outbound you're the one disrupting their day and saying i want to intrude and talk to you about my product yeah right yeah exactly and you know if, if we're in the in the seller's seat um hopefully you know step one is you really understand the problem you're solving for your customer base and that's crystal clear in your head um you know that would be obviously a foundational thing you got to know but then the, the net i think to take it to the next level to start figuring out how you successfully go open opportunities on an outbound motion it's um understanding all of the assumptions that your buyer has about how to solve that problem that would lead them in a different direction and reframing the right way to go tackle that problem that would that would um, you know get them to engage with you. So I think uh, we like at, at Sixth we just talk a lot about with outbound you've got to develop a perspective that is thoughtful, understanding that they're they're thinking about how they got to go solve their problem and they don't want to talk to you about it. But um, we need to be game planning and understanding, well, what's our perspective on probably where they're headed and why? And then if I need to change that course of direction, what is it that I need that, that we need to get in front of them to help um, get us into a conversation? You know, um, so we, we talk a lot about kind of really playing that movie out. Hey, if they don't hear from me and we play this movie out, where are they heading to solve that issue? And do they even know, you know, that they have that issue? And then if they hear from me and we have a new we have a new perspective on how to solve that and we can hook them with um, an opportunity to have an engaging conversation to help them, um, you're going to be you're going to be a, a heck of a lot more successful when you're um, when you're doing your outreach. OK, you just said something there. I've talked about this before in passing, but it's always part of a bigger conversation and it sometimes gets lost. I want to stop here because you've you've really hit on something that's huge. And and I've experienced this exact same challenge with every single every single one of my reps. None of them are immune to this. So 
boys and girls, listen up for a second, okay? You said, we're going back in time, you know, wind up, know your product. He said that, remember that? All right, so I bet you, you know, I bet you every single one of you know your product or your service right now, right? You're like, yep, I can demo like there's no tomorrow. I can, I can whip off facts and features about our capabilities better than any sales engineer. I am a stud muffin rock star. Okay, great, you know your product. Then you said, I want a couple points you said, know the assumptions your buyer has about their problem. So stop that. Know the assumptions the buyer has about their problem. So they're assuming, so they have, they recognize they're a problem, they have a problem, but they may assume it was caused by symptom A or symptom B, and you're, you may be approaching it from symptom C. That's one example. Or they may be assuming it's a personnel issue, not a process or a technology issue. Or they may be assuming it's a funding issue or a combination thereof. It may be assuming it's an external issue. You don't know. And this is the thing. You can't go in assuming that what you think is the same as what they're thinking. As a keyword that Mark said, there was assumptions. Then he went on, he said... Outbound requires a thoughtful understanding and perspective about the issue versus your product. That's that's a really sophisticated way of saying you got to think about how your product helps solve their problem. You can't just say my product has feature A, B, and C and assume that they're going to connect the dots. Oh, feature B might solve my problem X. You can't even talk about feature B. That feature B is a conversation two or three calls down the road. Right now, we're just talking about, you know, what's your, what's, talk about X. How do you understand better about X and why? Why do you think that's a problem? So discovery plays a really big deal to do that. And where is the buyer heading to solve an issue if they don't hear from you as a sales rep? So they're going to head somewhere and they may be fixated. They may have already said, this is the solution. I'm going down that road. And you've got to go and open them up. All of this points to the one thing that I was alluding, alluding to is the biggest challenge I see reps screw up on, with all love and respect, kids, is that you don't understand your buyer. For example, talk to me about Mark right now. He's the senior VP of sales at a high-tech company that's rolling high. They've raised some good funding. They've got good valuations. They're on a trajectory. I would assume with him, it's all about scale and resources and opportunity. I assume he's got some competitors in the space. I assume there's there's some competitive back and forth there. there and, I, and he and I have never met before today's conversation. So if I'm hitting any raw buttons here, Mark, just it's luck. I, you know, there could be an M&A strategy that they're looking to fill some holes because time is money, all this kind of stuff. So plus when it comes out in his role, senior VP of sales, not just a VP, senior VP. So he sits on the executive committee, probably. Um, he may report to the CEO. I'm guessing this. I've not looked this up because he's not a VP. He's a senior VP. There we go. So that means he's probably looking at other, you know, process issues across the organization, not just sales. He has as much probably influence and vested interest in how marketing is performing versus how customer success is performing. And at that round table, he can voice those concerns. He's probably a trusted advisor by his peers. He's probably got issues of sales rep. So he may have issues around, you know, how do I ensure I have diversity? How do I have culture? These are all the symptoms I'm guessing that he himself has to deal with. He probably doesn't do a lot of the analysis. He probably has people come to him and say, these are the analysis we've come up with. Um, therefore, what are you going to do about it? 
In other words, everything I'm doing to get in who is my buyer, if Mark was my prospective buyer, as in this case, has nothing to do with vanilla soft. I just said, who the hell is this guy? And what are they living with every day? And what are the pains he's having? So if he's got a pain around hiring and scaling, he's got a pain about being accountable to the CEO. He's got, we know he's got investors, so they probably have expectations too. So if I could help him hit his, maybe he needs to increase his conversion rate. Maybe he needs more lead flow. Maybe he's not finding enough sales reps fast enough. Uh, maybe he goes into new markets. How do all of these situations apply to my product and how I can help him solve those problems? That's the assumptions he's talking about. Mark, how'd I do? You got it. I, I, th- I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a good deep dive into, you know, you just did that in 30, 60 seconds. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's not that as a seller, you need to spend days thinking about this, right? Like if you, you know your personas you sell to, you should probably be able to have that, like that mental download real quick of what do I think that they're struggling with pretty quickly, like you did in 30 seconds. And, and then where do I think based on if, you know, if they don't know anything about what I have to sell, where are they probably headed to go solve those things? And at, at Sixth Sense, we talk a lot about, you know, we help, we help companies build a pipeline just like you guys do. Right. Yep. And, um, you know, I, I hear from a lot of, of our newer reps. Well, if they're growing really fast, they don't have a pipeline problem. And I say, you know, stop right there. <laughs> That's not, that's not, Sorry. that's not the case at all. Right. You know, you could be a rocket ship tripling in size every year that the problem just shifts. So it's not like, you know, can we sell it? It's my target to the board just tripled. And yes. do you have pipeline to support tripling of your number? And um, when you, when you can kind of jump into the head of sales mind and, and recognize you're probably already thinking, how am I going to triple pipeline and where am I going to get it? Well, I can hire a lot more people. I can, I could, you know, hire to invest in enablement. Um, I can invest in technology. Have you considered, you know, how your that vanilla software at six cents, what is the thing that we, that they hear from us and this stops them in their, in their, their thought process around, that is an approach I probably need to sit and learn about. And it sounds like I've got something to, you know, they've got something to share with me that would describe an approach to solving this. I, I don't know yet, or I'm interested given what they do for other similar companies and get them to stop. Right. And it's when we think of outbound motions, it's getting them to stop wherever they are in their buyer's journey. And, they might not. They might not know anything. They might be hot down the path, and we got to get on the phone with them. But we we often blow that first call because we we don't sit and have that conversation. We we jump right to like, what does our product actually do? And so those are yeah, those are one of the cha- I think one of the biggest challenges with tr- the transitioning to outbound, um, without question, it's hard. So that's the thing. Let's recap. What you know? Just what's your quick takeaway, kids? It's simple. When you're doing outbound, there's a good chance you're interrupting them. They're not seeking you out necessarily. So you need to understand who your target persona, I'm going to come back to that word in a minute, your target persona, what are they, what's their daily routine? What are they living in and their challenges? All right. So the whole thing of, hi, Mark, 
Uh, I'm Daryl Prayer with VanillaSoft. We're a sales engagement platform. People who use us typically see a tripling of revenue, speed to lead, and uh, shorter sales cycles. Can I show you? Hmm. I just talked about me. Right. And I'm hoping that he goes, oh, tripling revenue. Well, the board is on me to triple revenue. Maybe he'll connect those dots. But chances are he's going to go, yeah, go away. I've already figured that out. Whereas if I just said, hey, Mark, struggling with uh, high expectations from your investors, I might have a solution to help you achieve some of those unattainable goals. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's the right line, but you see how the message changed. So all right. of a sudden he's like, oh my, that's personal. That's personal to me, right? So do you understand the life, not your product, not your features, the life your target persona is living? If And I, I challenge you right now, hit pause, hit pause, rhyme it off. I'll wait for you. Okay, I'm not really going to wait for you because I'm assuming you hit pause and away <laughs> we go. But you get the idea. If you couldn't rhyme it off like I did with Mark about Mark, then that's your first step. Next step, you talked about personas, not persona. Mark is a persona as an SVP of sales in my ideal customer profile. What I just spewed off is related to his persona. But he said personas. Mark, personas reminds us that when you're doing outbound, that they're specifically outbound, because like you said, they haven't come to you, you're going to them. Mm-hmm. There are buying committees, mm-hmm. could be an SVP of sales, could be a CFO, could be an eternal user champion. Yeah, there's in other words, current stats are anywhere between five and 10 people involved in a buying committee, which means you need to know five and 10 person us. So the biggest challenge I had when we went to outbound, uh, especially ABM, was training my reps that they needed to understand not just the ICP of the target marketplace and the target customer, but the personas of each people involved in their buying committee. And they then needed to research who the hell these people were, and then they needed to reach out and talk to them, which most reps refuse because if I go from talking to one person, the sales cycle might be a month. If I'm talking to five to 10 people, that's going to be a three to six month deal. I want to avoid lengthening my sales cycle. That's dumb. So how do we convince sales reps that they need to understand buying committees? They can't just sell to one person. You know, it's, um, that's exactly right. You know, accounts buy, right. And that's why, you know, account-based marketing that the whole ABM, uh, approach strikes a chord with so many companies. Um, there are committees, and one of the I'll just throw like a quick tip. I think everyone could implement. Uh, if you, you know, assuming you're working in a CRM that allows you to build a dashboard or a report, and that is just uh, instead of measuring how many accounts you're reaching every day, or you're you know you've um, you've reached out to, uh, focus on how many contacts within the account you've you've reached and when we stood that dashboard up we have like we have a dashboard that we look at that says hey out of your territory what accounts haven't heard from you in the last 30 days and then we have another one that says hey inside your territory on average how many contacts are we reaching out to and we know like we know we have eight personas that we could sell to you know get an opportunity started um but if you look you know i mean it's it makes me smile because I was I sold for too many years too. It's like you'll go back and look, and it's like I reach out to the same person over and over and over again, hoping for hoping for something masterful to happen. So we um, we encourage people to to you know hold yourself accountable to. You've got many opportunities to strike a chord if you can, and it's it's the upfront homework of 
falling in love with the problem you're solving for each of those personas, get, getting them to stop in their tracks to say, I think you have something valuable for me for a first meeting, and then track and monitor how well are we covering that buying committee. Um, you're going to have a, a much higher uh you're going to have a much higher opportunity open rate. Let me use an example here that all of you can relate to. I'm positive on this, and you're going to understand just how smart Mark is. Let's make this about you for a second, you the sales rep. Let's say you've got a deal on the line, and they want to know, can your product do X? And you go, geez, I don't know. Okay, we've all been there. I'm not sure if we can do X or not. Can we do X? So what do you do? Let me guess. This is how it goes. If, if you can relate to this, put your hand up. You call up your buddy, the other sales rep. And you say, buddy, can we do X? And they say, I don't know. Then you call a couple other buddies. I don't know. I don't know. None of the reps know. All right. So now you start what I like to call dialing for yes. So now you pick up the phone or you use Slack or Teams and you reach out to a sales engineer. Can we do X? Well, I think we can do X, but I'm not really sure. I haven't asked that in a while. I have to look into that. I need an answer now. Can we do X? I don't know. All right. So now you go to product management. Can we do X? I, I don't know if we can do X. So then you go to our, the developer. You're your buddy, the developer in the back room. You feed to, you feed, you send a beer to once in a while. Can we do X? Yeah, we can do X. Let me show you. Now all of a sudden you go, great, Mr. Customer. We can do X. You went dialing for a yes, and guess what you just did? You talked to a whole bunch of different personas in your organization to try to get buy-in so you can succeed. Okay, flip it freaking around. It's the exact same way when you're targeting your prospect. You want to talk to that economic buyer. You want to talk to that executive sponsor. You want to talk to that user. You want to talk to that champion because some will be more receptive to your, to your message than others. And then they will advocate on your behalf. And here's what you're not understanding. When you have multiple people advocating your behalf, especially across multiple roles or departments, the deal size goes up. It goes up. This is not about getting a deal done in a hurry. This is about increasing a revenue size and a deal size, which increases your commission, which gets you even that much closer to your quota. So if your quota, I'm making this up as a million dollars and your average deal size is 50,000, you have to do 20 deals. But what if you get your average deal size up to 100,000? Now you only have to do 10 deals, less than one a month. And all it took was getting a buying committee involved. That's right. why you need to do that. You're smiling, Mark. I, I'm saying stuff. It's resonating. Yes, no. You got it, um, Daryl. I'll add one other thing that we, uh, especially at Six Sense, we we spend a lot of time focusing on. We talk about it in our messaging and everything, but it's it's the recog. So we talked earlier about like, hey, understand the different approach. You can you know, make make an assumption on where they're at. You know, understand how you can. Um, you know, provide a different way of, of solving for that problem. But the, the third thing is understanding that everyone's at a different point in their kind of like buy, what we call the buyer's journey. And we often assume they're all in the same place, right? And, and then our messaging makes an assumption that they're, that they're all maybe at the same place. They, they recognize they have a problem. When many, many companies, you know, that are on your, in your territory or on your list, they don't, they're not even there yet. They're totally under a rock, as our CMO Latney says. And we got to do a good job of understanding where are they under a rock? 
Are they, they've recognized a problem, they're in the middle of seeking out a solution, they just haven't talked to you yet. Are they about ready to buy and we're like getting in at the very end? And um, the, the approach you take has to be totally different and your messaging has to be totally different based on where they are in their buyer's journey. And we, you know, like that's the business we're in. We, we help them understand where they are. But even if you don't know where they are, your first mission is to understand where are they so that you're speaking to them as though you're not ahead of them, right? And I think that's a big mistake we make a lot. Like we assume that they already know that they've got, you know, X problem or that they're looking into solutions, but they, they might not. So might as well ask them. Um, and uh, that whole concept of do I know where they are in their buyer's journey takes a, takes homework, takes time, but it also means we gotta we gotta message differently um, depending on where they are. So again, Mark said earlier, stop making assumptions. Don't assume where they are in their buyer's journey. Just like you don't assume that what you think their problem is is what their problem is. Just like don't assume that there's only one person involved selling it to you. I love that point about understanding that every single prospect of yours is going to be at a different spot in the journey. So you have to adapt to them. All right. It's not about them adapting to you, which too many reps make that mistake. I started off with talking about, you know, this all manifested itself for me when we started rolling out ABM. So let's, let's kind of end it on that, Mark. Talk to me. We talked, the whole conversation today was about inbound versus outbound. How does ABM play into us do better at outbound? Sure. Well, it starts with, um, you know, I think it starts with sales leadership and the marketing team understanding what, when we, uh, actually, I'll, I'll go back. Uh, one misperception is that ABM is uh, only a certain set of accounts. And when, when we talk about ABM, we say, that's not ABM isn't, oh, that's an ABM account and that's not. We hear that all the time and we cringe. When we think of ABM, we, we talk about our entire addressable market and running plays, right, that's going to move them down the funnel based on where they are in their journey, like we had talked about earlier. And so back to what I was saying a minute ago, it's it starts with having a coordinated effort between the sellers up to the management and the marketing team understanding hey, if they're at this point in the journey, what is our messaging? And marketing, how are you helping? Sales, how are we messaging to go open opportunity? If they're here, how does that messaging change? And if you're a rep on this podcast, like my, my, one of my recommendations, if you hear your company talking about ABM, you know, it's your responsibility to speak up and make sure you're having that conversation around, well, you know, we have an, our addressable market. I, we have our territories, and if we're going to go open as much pipeline as we can inside those territories, what are what are all the things that we need to be doing to, to be reaching those different people inside that buying committee? And can I pressure test that those messaging, those messages are are accurate? Right. So that we're we're being relevant along the way. And um, so I'll, I'll pause there. But that, that first that first piece being that it's a coordinated effort between the marketing and the sales leadership and sales reps. ABM isn't just a set of accounts, it's your entire addressable market. And the whole idea is we gotta get everyone into the funnel some way or another. And therefore we gotta work on our, our outreach 
in all the channels that we can reach those buyers, um, making sure we're meeting them with where they're at and getting them, you know, getting them into conversations with us. That's how, that's how we think in a, in a, in a, in a minute about ABM when it comes to building an outbound strategy. What I love about ABM in a nutshell, and you kind of heard it in this whole conversation, is it's a very intentional, coordinated, you know, pursuit of your ideal customer profiles. And it spans both marketing and sales. It's not just marketing. Sales reps thinking that you're stupid. Love you. You're stupid. Sales reps thinking you're the one who actually makes it all happen and marketing is just out there doing pay-per-click ads. Right. You're wrong. I mean, I cannot emphasize that enough. More than anything in the world, it is something that genuinely creates a lot of alignment on the revenue organization. That's how I view it. They're the sales and marketing, but they're the revenue team. Sure. And, uh, and that's the beauty of it. So if you're in the middle of an ABM transition or you've started a job that's doing ABM, you've done that before, you know, there's going to be a few bumps in the road. If you're managing from inbound to outbound, maybe you haven't done ABM yet, but you recognize the need just to go to outbound. Well, you know what? Learn from ABM. Learn from vendors like Sixth Sense and others on all their advice and all their wisdoms. Consume all their content. I would strongly suggest you advocate to bring in a formal ABM vendor provider because it provides not only the tools, but a framework to make sure you do it right, which gives you that consistency. Um, But regardless, we've covered some amazing stuff here today. We talked about... You know, inbound and outbound, it's hard. I understand it. Uh, the buyer's changing on the outbound side. They're in control, whereas in the inbound brand, maybe you're more in control. Um, you can't just know your product. You have to actually uh, know the assumptions that the buyer has about their own problem. You need to know the life that the buyer is living. Uh, you need to disrupt their thinking sometimes and offer an alternative approach. Sometimes your target buyer or persona won't be receptive to you, but there's a buying committee involved. So if you can't go in one door, you can go in another door or another door or another door. It is worth your time to do a buying committee because it does increase both uh, advocacy for your solution versus something they might have had dreamed up on their own or a, or a competitive offering. And it also typically increases the buyer side and the deployment. I'm sorry, it increases the deal size and, and the number of seats being deployed. And hey, who doesn't want more commission checks on that front? Uh, how you differentiate yourself from how their thinking is is really critical, right? So you better be able to differentiate yourself. Um, and then you also do, you need to help them understand what life would be like without you. All right. That sounds stupid, but you really need to do that. Uh, so that's it. I want to hit up inbound versus inbound, outbound. I'll talk a little bit of ABM. It's something I continue to live to this day. I every, Almost every Friday morning, actually, at 8 a.m. Eastern, I spend an hour with Latney Kanat, who's the CMO at uh, Sixth Sense. And uh, so I've heard it from her point of view. Now I'm hanging out with Mark from his point of view. So uh, there you go. And just to make it even more interesting, because you're all thinking, oh, yeah, you're probably a Sixth Sense advocate. I'm actually not a Sixth Sense client. So why does that matter? It matters because I'm trying to teach you something here about inbound versus outbound and about the power of ABM. Now, does that mean I may not be a Sixth Sense client in the future? Well, now that I know the senior VP of sales, we can strike a good deal. So there we have it. Uh, With that said... Check out Mark. Follow him on LinkedIn. It's simple. It's, you know, the classic LinkedIn.com slash in slash Mark Ebert. That's Mark with a K. Not a C, as my cousin Mark likes to say. C stands for cute and cuddly. I don't know what K stands for in this case. 
Ebert, E-B-E-R-T. Check him out. Follow him. He's awesome. Mark, thank you for your time today. In the meantime, we've gone way overboard, but it was worth it because this was a great conversation. I look forward to talking to you all next week. In the meantime, have you checked out the new podcast, Zero to Five Million? Place to go for entrepreneurs trying to grow and scale. Hosted by Sean Finer, Ollie Whitfield. Check it out online. We think you'll like it. My name is Daryl Prell, and this, my friends, is another episode of The Inside. Inside Sales Show. Take care. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Inside Inside Sales Podcast with your host, Daryl Prale. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, we would greatly appreciate you taking a moment to leave us a review on the platform you're listening to the show from today. Also, please feel free to share this program with your friends and colleagues. 